And welcome everybody to episode number 10 of the Zola Project. Double we finally got double figures. Double high five. <laughs> uh, and thanks quickly to everyone that's been downloading and listening and sharing and liking and all that stuff. Um, uh, numbers are slowly going up, which is good. Hopefully we're getting better at what we do and um, everyone's enjoying what we're doing. And yeah, uh, you know, we haven't got any negative feedback, so I'm happy with that. So am I. <laughs> Good. I haven't, got, I haven't got any positive feedback either. Oh, okay, look, I get, I get good comments on, on, on Instagram, so keep them coming in. You know, like a, all, all feedback, negative, positive, whatever is appreciated because um, if we can affect you enough to, to get, elicit any sort of response, uh, that's a good thing. Happy with that. Happy with that. Yeah, bit of a bit of a um, step up for us today. We're, get, we're going international stylies. Our first international so, first guest. international, our first time doing uh, Skype. So bear with us if there's a few <laughs> little hiccups and bugs and whatnot. Like I, you know, I keep saying, we're learning as well. So as long as we get better and and, and things. Um, do you want to introduce a guest and give everyone a quick little quick little run? We don't want to give too much because no, we know, obviously we want stories from him. Absolutely, not secondhand oh, ones from us. Okay. <laughs> okay. Full disclosure, yeah. I'm copying it tonight. <laughs> Uh, no one knows me better than Mark yeah. and you. Yeah. So I've got the double fucking whammy here That's tonight. That's it. Uh, but I will tell you what. Mark is one of my oldest friends. Uh, he's an Englishman in France, has been there for a long time. Avid music fan. Yeah. Loves his music fan. Uh, just just little interjection. Before I knew you were friends with Mark, mm. he was also one of the first guys on Instagram to give any sort of positive feedback. Yeah. Which was really cool. Yeah. I got really oh. stoked because I didn't know who he was. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, he, he's yeah. a, he, he loves his music. and Loves his music, loves the podcast. So yeah. it's, it's, we've been working six months to uh, put this one together and uh, finally found the time and we're all happy. Yeah. And uh, we're going to call through right now and we're going to work all this out together. So I yeah. think if I press that button... Waiting music. It is waiting music. Hey! There he is. Hang on. Let me put us on. Yeah, we got you. Oh, you got us? Oh, we're out of his shot. We're out of your shot. We're there. We're here. First of all, I wanted to knock on the door. Don't worry, we can go the we can do the power of the enough to come in. Oh my god, mate. Hey, is that at the door? Oh here we are. That's your place, bro, right? Yeah, yeah, this is my place. You could have fucking tied it up before, eh? Oh fuck. Would have been nice. 
Uh, yeah, you can eat the fuck. You can eat your dinner off the toilet, bro. Oh no, it's a worry. No man should be that clean. Nah. <laughs> fuck the two of you. <laughs> that was your ass. Is it clean as well? <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, I remember when Brew was telling me about what you guys were gonna do. I can't remember when. It must have been like about a year ago. Yeah. Brew was telling me about what you were going to do with this podcast, and I actually said to him, we spent about an hour on the phone, and I said to him, that sounds like it's going to be fucking boring. (laughs) (laughs) I stuck up. And uh, I like like listening to podcasts, I listen to quite a lot, but like chat ones like this, I I don't normally do them. And I've been really enjoying it, you, what you guys are doing. I'm fucking stoked to be here. Oh, I appreciate oh, that, man. Appreciate yeah. that. Um, we are just saying in the I'm intro t- that uh, we've been working on this one for about six months and uh, this is our first Skype one. So it's kind of like we're recording this, we're recording that. We're just making sure that we got everything on level, but uh, we're real uh, novices. Well, we're <laughs> novices today because this is like, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit out of our comfort zone, but it's yeah. good. But, but it's, it's good because, like, you know, we're, we're, we're going to need to be able to do things like this in the future. Yeah. But, so you're the bit of a guinea pig for us yeah, tonight. Yeah, you're, you're our well, uh, one, you're breaking around. First international guest, first yeah. Skype, first Skype. link up, yeah. Uh, yeah. first wanker. Oh, I don't know. We've had a few. <laughs> <laughs> Both my brothers were on, remember? Oh, those assholes. <laughs> That's right. No, I don't know. I'll probably be right with Brooke because all the other guys that you've had on were fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I reckon I'll be the oldest person that you've had on here as well. When were you born? 72. Yeah, you yeah. beat me. <laughs> Not only by two years, but you by one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I two years. Like my adolescence started in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was right at the end. So eighty nine was my adolescence, really. Yeah, pretty much. That's where I count it. I count it. Yeah. Oh, did you grow up in Heathrow? No. What? Where did you grow up? Yeah, not far. Uh... Hey, where did I grow up? That's a big question because uh, I'm still growing up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was born uh, just next to Heathrow, about half an hour away, southwest London, just outside southwest London. Yeah. And I left when I was like 18. Right. Just almost 30 years ago. Yeah. So did, did, you, did you go straight to France or you travel around and did a few things and... Yeah, well, I kind of left there, you know, it's like that rebel uh, adolescent stuff, you like, just got to get the fuck out of the house. Yeah. And uh, they still do it in England, there's a, there's a, I just say that in England, I'm going to have trouble finding English. In the Sun newspaper, there's once a year you can go to Calais for a quid, you go there and back, you buy uh, duty-free beers and cigarettes and stuff like that. Yeah. May and we were like, well, we'll take that and we just won't come back. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to Calais for a quid. And uh, already the woman at the customs, we had big backpacks, and the woman at the customs, she was like, oh, you guys are coming back tonight, are you? And we are like, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so we go and just fucking go. Yeah. And we didn't know where we were going, we just knew what we were leaving behind. Yeah. So, yeah, so what, mostly in France. What could, I mean, in and around that time, you know, growing up, did you have much uh, music influence? I mean, basically, you know the podcast, you know our question. Our question being, for those who just tuning in, 
we're talking about the uh, you know the age between 13 and 20 where the music that you listen to then really sculpts the genre and the things and formats like a, a musical formula for the rest of your life and always something you'll be drawn back to I mean was it in those years or was it in the later years when you moved to France like when did it start for you uh, I'd say we started really young uh, you know I was a kid I, when my parents used to take us to go and see uh, other members of the family, they used to take a walkman and just sit in, yeah. sit there listening to Motorhead and Iron Maiden all day long. You know, I suppose, uh, no, I'd say it started really young, like 10, 11 years old. But you, used to get, you got it on the on the post the other day, bro. It was uh, Adam and the Ants to start with. And that was like, uh, that was like my first group that I was like crazy about. I would have been like 10 years old. Mm. Was it your sister put you onto that, or she bought it for your birthday? If my memory serves me. Uh, I know she bought me. Yeah, uh, she bought me. That was fucking years later. She bought me a double disc. Uh, best, best. No, I used to beat her up because she used to listen to uh, Shaking Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I can't have a sister that's listening to Shaking Stevens. So, and I actually managed to torture her into taking a Shaking Stevens posters down for bedroom. <laughs> of threat of being beaten up. Yeah. yeah. That's no, what brothers are for. It went for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, start started really young. It's kind of like escape company I don't know I think that's probably the case for a lot of people yeah before we go too too far back um, what were you listening to today well even this morning like it's morning morning for you was it about 10 in the morning something like that <coughs> listen to I haven't listened to anything I got out no? of bed alright <laughs> what, about, what about last night what was the last thing what was the last thing you listened to uh, yesterday, I can't afford you might ask me that. I was listening to a playlist yesterday. Uh, there's the usual stuff on it, like you guys, you know, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, but all mixed up with other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so for you being being like you know, you're a little bit a little bit older than us, but similar generation, it's it's yeah. been interesting for me, like with the different guests that we've had. The similar sort of age to us, how much you know the early '90s and Nirvana and, and those groups affected a lot of people worldwide. So, did, did was grunge a big, big thing for you? Like, so early '90s, you know, did you did you get caught up in that whole wave? Um, yeah. You know, like Pearl Jam, yeah. Soundgarden, you know, the whole Seattle thing, and then you know, a bit of LA shit. You got Jane's Addiction and that sort of stuff too. Did you did you get yeah. caught up in in that whole whole scene? Yeah, totally. To- yeah, I was totally like. Totally into it. Uh, I think um, it was the whole, it was the whole thing behind it. I was really, I was a drug addict in those days, just like most of those guys that were playing music. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's like uh, it's just something to relate to. I was talking to my kids about it last night, t- telling them about the. The, what I was going to do with you guys today and uh, I think uh, it's not just it is the mu- it's about the music but there's also uh, there's the whole movement there's the whole way of thinking yeah well, that, I don't find the words in English because I spent spend most of my time speaking in French yeah but there was a big difference and a huge jump between you know what was heavy music in the 80s 
as to what was heavy yeah. music in the 90s. And, and, and a lot of that was emotion, you know, like the, the, yeah. the, all of a sudden you had heavy music that, that, that had feeling as opposed to heavy music that was just singing about chicks. You know, like there, there was a big difference, you know, in, in guns, like even Guns N' Roses or, you know, well, Poison. Yeah, the shift from glam guys. rock to alternative, yeah. as it was later. Alternative labeled, and, you know, grunge and, you know, what, well, we, no, no, you hate that, but <laughs> grunge, but it's what it is, it's what it is. So do, do you remember what your um, your first gig was that you, you paid for and went to, went to go see yourself? Like no, no parents dropping you off, none of that sort of shit, just, you know, you and your boys going out. See an international band, or even a, even a local local band, or someone like that. No, one of the, I think it was probably like one of the first ones, like with the boys and that. It was a it was a rap concert. Yeah, right. In London, I was about sixteen, and there was KRS One. Yeah. Uh, wow. Red Red Head Redhead Kingpin. All the big names at that time, it was in Kensington Town in London. And we were just like, it was stupid to go there. We got robbed. It was just like, it was unbelievable. We just went, oh yeah, we, we're going to go. And we were only the, the only white guys there. Yeah. A couple of us didn't get in because we just got totally robbed. These guys got their tickets stolen. And we got in and before the concert was amazing, but we were the only white guys in there. I just don't know how we got out alive. Yeah. <laughs> the racial tensions in uh, in London at that at that time were like, well, I suppose they still are now, but it was just like it wasn't a thing to do to go down there. It it seemed like I, when I think back of that that sort of time period too, that um that sort of thing like the the music thing defined a bit of that like tension as well. Because if you listen yeah. to heavy guitar music, you were white, you know, you obviously you're a white guy, and if you listen to hip hop or you know that you you were a black guy, and that was a real sort of. I don't think those lines exist as much anymore. You know, like no. it, it's not it's not things that don't seem to be drawn as um, oh, it's that defined. You know, like mm. that, those those. Okay, if you're this, then you're this. And people are much more open these days. You know, it's, I remember Henry Rollins telling a story about that him and his mates going to see Grand Funk in Washington D.C. and Washington D.C has a huge black population it was the same thing he went to, they went to the gig and all the black people were like what the fuck you white what are you doing here you know but they yeah. went and they had a great time you know he said it was one of the best concerts he ever saw in his life you know yeah. but it's the same sort of thing do you have a um a guilty pleasure that you could tell us about that you you know <laughs> that, you know maybe maybe it might be a little bit embarrassing but that's all good you know uh, I'm good with that because I've been I listened to all of them. I haven't done the last one that you put out yet, but uh, I was kind of waiting for that one. But I'm yeah. not guilty about it actually. I'm no, that's cool. Up. That's problem. And uh, I asked, it's Abba. Yeah, right. Cool. <laughs> oh, finally, <laughs> a bit of Abba. Someone comes Abba. up. Well, everyone's been hedging their bets okay. with that question. You know? I put it on in the in the studio sometimes. Like, like maybe on a Saturday is the last day of the week. I put it on, and sometimes the clients are just like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> that gold greatest hits. Yeah. Fuck, love that shit. And the reason I love that shit is because uh, my mum loved it, and she always used to put it on Abba and Elvis. I was brought up on it, you know. Yeah. And so, I mean, for years I've 
feel when you're a kid, you're just like, oh god, fucking hell, that's just like it's terrible. And then getting older, it just like it just brings back the memories, you know. Yeah. It brings back. My mum put that on; she was happy listening to it. So like, when you get older, you put it back on, and it brings those memories back, and you just feel good listening to it. You know? Yeah. I get right down to right down on a bit of Abba in the studio on a Saturday. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Oh, that. I probably. I'm going to share something else as well. Probably got my first stiffy looking at looking at that blonde bird in the videos. <laughs> <laughs> first stiffy that I can remember an anyway. Which one? Anita? The blonde one. The blonde one's Anita? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I yeah. Her name is irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it, was, that, was that pre-op or post-op? Oh no, that's like fucking super young, Abba. That's yeah. like beginning of the eighties. So I was be like, I don't know, fucking eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I remember it. Can you remember your first one? Because I mean, we had them since we were born, you know, little stiffies. But the first one that you can remember. Oh, I couldn't tell you. That's yeah, a long I time don't... ago. Yeah, go I'd on, have to think come. about it. I'd have to think about it. Go, who are you? At? Uh. In a bubble bath in uh, Gordon's Avenue. <laughs> All the foam. Oh, that, that's a great above mine, Ed. You got it from sensation. I got it from looking at something on the TV. <laughs> You're ahead of your time. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Uh, so yeah, just just about the the tattoo studio. I've, I've heard stories from Brew before um, of when you first started and you guys tattooing out of your apartment. Yeah, in yeah. Uh, Avenue Gambetta, yeah. in our team. Yeah. Um, he, he loves the fact that he helps help you set up that tattoo and he's still got no fucking ink on him whatsoever. Yeah, that's not going to last. No, but that's where you have to come. You know, you, you're the only one that he'll ever let tattoo him, right? He's told me yeah, that before. So we're going to have to tie him down and fucking put something on him. <laughs> oh, I, could, I couldn't face him if I turned up in, uh, turned up and had a bit of ink on me. No, no that's good. Ink. That's good. Yeah, we made the deal the last time uh, the last time that Brew was over here was for my wedding. Yeah. And we made a deal the next time that we see each other. Well, I made a deal. The <laughs> next time I see him, I'm tattooing him. And he, I told him he's best to get a design ready because if he hasn't got one, I'm going to decide what it's going to be. <laughs> well, no, actually, to go back, in Gambetta, we... Because, um, you know, you were right in me about getting a tattoo and, you know... And we sat and we designed one. I pulled in all the things that I liked, the ocean yeah. things and the snowflake, and it was going to be the balance yeah. of my star sign and all this kind of stuff, and kind of sketched it all out a little bit. And I said, I want a bit of this and a little bit of that, and kind of just on a bit of paper did this little sketch. And he looked at it, I said, oh, you know, I'm thinking maybe like, you know, on the arm or on the leg. He went, no, the only place for this is your entire back, just because of the shape <laughs> of it. <laughs> I went, <laughs> My whole it hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't changed. You still feel the same. Go and get something on your forearm now, so you just can't fucking forget me for one minute. <laughs> so the the when you guys all started that was that the beginning of your tattooing, or you'd apprentice somewhere else before, or no, no, that was the beginning. That was in ninety. I started in ninety seven. Yeah. So that was really uh, yeah that was that was the beginning. And that that fucking story with Paddy, whoever Paddy's listening, whoever's listening, fucking love you, Paddy. Thanks, dude. Because that was like that was just you had to be there to to get the get the picture. It was amazing. 
I think I, I, did, I did tell it in the in uh, Lauren's podcast, yeah. episode nine. No, six or seven. Six or seven? Yeah. About the Stella Artois? Yeah. Of 97, yeah. for sure. For sure. So, and I, was, I was having a look at your... Um, uh, your Instagram today, just going through all, all your di- different tattoos, predominantly ultra realistic black and grey. Is that would that be yeah. right to for your style? Yeah. Yeah, I just do realistic stuff these days. I've got I've managed to get to the point where I don't uh, I can just do what I want. Yeah. I don't I don't have to accept everything, which is like cool. It's yeah. Fucking cool. Uh, mostly black and grey, just because uh, that's what people are asking for. Yeah. I uh, do colour stuff as well. I really like doing colour. It's a totally different challenge. It's much harder. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not. A, I love colour. All my tattoos are colour. I don't, I'm not a fan of much black and grey stuff. But the the ultra realism in your work is amazing. Like it's it's yeah. some of the pieces are like could be a fucking photo, mate. You know, like they're they're, they're really yeah. yeah they're really like it's next level quality. Like you know, I mean, I'm no expert. I'm you know got a few tattoos and seen a few and this, that and the other, but yeah, really impressed with your stuff, man. I really like it. It's really cool. Yeah, still having, still having a fucking good time, still still pushing it. I did one yesterday. Like, what's crazy now is that uh, I do like back-to-back sessions. Yeah, I do them every week. I just did one yesterday. Two days in a row. So yeah. the guy came, comes in Thursday and then he comes back, it comes in Friday and comes back Saturday. So he's not healed at all from day one? No, the, the, what you do on day one, you don't touch on day two. Yeah. Um, so you just add it, but add the next bit on. Mm. You stick the transfer back on to make it join up to what you did the day before. Mm. But that's like two, that's like maybe 14, 15 hours of tattooing in two days in a row. Yeah, that's a lot. Which, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, when I back in the day, like in '97, I got like I did an eight-hour session on my arm, and uh, everybody called me. Everybody thought it was crazy to do that. It's like you know, it was just something nobody used to do that. Yeah. Now it's like it's normal. I do like six to eight-hour sessions every day, and then a lot of them come back for a second one the next day. Yeah. yeah. Which means that uh, you can actually push the push it further, you know, because you're staying. You stay in the same. Uh, you're only working on the same project two days in a row. It's not like you do a bit and then it comes back a month later. You stay into it, so you really get you get to push it a lot further. Yeah, I suppose it gives you that focus to concentrate on that one piece and just get all yeah. the details and get all the finer things in there, and you're not not sort of second guessing yourself. What was I doing back then, and yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Kind of, you finish the first session, you go to, you finish your day, you're still thinking about, yeah, you, you go to sleep thinking about it, you wake up <laughs> thinking about it, you get back into it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then uh, Saturday night, you go and sit down in front of Netflix and die on the sofa. <laughs> so, uh, uh, apart from um, ABBA, uh, you, you, have, you always have music on in the studio? Like, it, that, yeah. that's, that's a sort yeah. of constant thing? Yeah, all day long, every day. Yeah. So I've got like, I'm Spotify. I've got which is like, yeah, you know, it's not good for the artists not getting paid and everything, but uh, it's great just to fucking put something on and just let it play all day long and not have to yeah. deal with it. You know, it's, yeah. It's like the day that you got six days, six uh, <laughs> six seat loader. We got to choose a seat. Come pick them. Yeah. So we're. Uh, 
But I'll like, tell you what, listen, I really listened to, uh, I can't remember, you get the, um, at the end of the year on Spotify, they tell you how many hours you listen to and what yeah. artists you listen to the most and everything. Yeah. So what was your top 10? Top five, sorry. Top five they Top did, five yeah. they did. Yeah. What was the top five for the year? Uh, yeah, it was Radiohead, uh, Nirvana, uh, stuff like that, usual, the usual stuff. I can't remember how many hours it was. It was like... Fucking thousands of can't remember. That thousands, seventy thousand hours. Is that yes. possible? Seventy thousand hours of if listening. If you got it on all day, yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Now tell me, yeah. and I remember it, when you had the Moutier shop. Didn't a guy front up and ask for money for the royalties uh, for the music that you're playing live in the shop? Yeah, yeah, that still goes on in France. I'm not, I don't have that problem anymore because it's a private studio, so I can do what I want. You can come and watch a, you can watch a film. I've got people watching Netflix. I've got it set up in the shop, so there's because it's private and it's not public. But when it's public, yeah, if if the general public that walk into the shop can hear the music that you're playing, well, there's a, you have to pay um, the rights. Yeah, the royalty again, fees. Yeah, the again. licensing fees. Licensing yeah. fees. So it's what Aria does in yeah. Australia. Like Which it's I the same, same thing, you know, like a mate of mine uh, ran a cafe. Same thing, you had to pay a royalty if you wanted to have the radio on, you know, just because any general general public, they can hear it. In, in some ways, like, it's good because it may, like, people, I don't know, in France, but in Australia, Aria collects royalties and pays that money to the artist. Um, yeah. because it's like I said it's like a licensing thing I don't know what, what they do overseas but it is steep like it's not cheap it's a fuck it's just yeah I think you yeah, pay like 1200 bucks a year or something yeah but I mean know, it's so. interesting about well we've got censorship but then you know trying to get the you know the money rights for the bands and themselves and well, it's, 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 it's like it's, a kickback for listening to music but it's not the bands it's the songwriter yeah right. They're yeah, the yeah, ones. No, they're the ones that get the money. Ways, it's yeah. not. It's not the band. Like it's not like I come a bass player for this band and you play it in the shop, so I get five cents or whatever. Mm. No, no. Who who wrote the song? They get the money. So, um, with with okay. your with, with your tattooing. When I was young, dorky, you know, twelve, thirteen, and I'd look up and I'd see Slash and I'd see you know whoever with tattoos. And one of the reasons I wanted to get tattoos is because all my heroes had them. Was it, is that how you got one of the things got you into tattoo? Tattooing is like seeing rock stars or whoever that, that had the tattoos and oh, I want to go and get that and you get that and so I wanted to learn how to do that or what was your sort of general path getting into no, tattooing? Well, you know? I, started, uh, I started really young. I was used to like six, seven years old. I used to draw, draw skulls and stuff with a, with a big pen on my forearm. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, we moved house, and it, uh, opposite our house, we had like skinheads and punks that used to live in there. And they used to, they used to get fucked up every night and throw shit through the window. And they were just tattooed everywhere, ropey, ropey stuff, but tattooed their hands, yeah. their hands everywhere. And I was just like, ah, oh. I just I wanted to get tattooed because back in the day, like like you say, even with the rock stars, it was rebels. It was people that were saying fuck off to everyone else. You know, I'll do what I'm not. I'm not going to fit into what you want yeah. from me. Yeah. And so that was really what it was. My mum used to see me looking at those guys over the road and she'd be like, they're bad people. Don't, don't end up like them. And I was just like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're bad people. And that was... I got tattooed just to say to everyone, look, if you can't, if you, 
it's so changed that I've got tattooed so that people could if you can't fucking see past my tattoos then I don't want to have anything to no. do with you no exactly uh, yeah. people me for who I am not what I look like yeah so tattoos were like a filter if you if you're a shallow person and you can, and you're scared by the way that I look then I don't want to have anything to do with you either no so kind of like if uh, people used to I got my my throat tattoo done and people used to cross the road when they were walking coming the other way they used to be like oh fuck and they used to cross the road it was like everyday carers yeah which is obviously not the case today it's no. really it's changed a lot no well Andrew's the only one of my friends uh, with nothing yeah I mean I've, I've got both my kids got paid for their first tattoos for both of them you know they've, yeah. they've both got and actually this Christmas too Tama got a tattoo voucher so she can go get something else this year they, they both yeah. love it I mean think about that you know? Christmas presents to your kids oh yeah. here you go yeah, okay, go get go get a tattoo here's, here's, here's a voucher for a tattoo yeah. for your yeah. Christmas I love it it's fucking awesome but yeah. like without like back in the day if my mum I mean it's fucking awesome Paul that you do that for your kids it's yeah. like fantastic basically it's the evolution of things today but back in the day, if my mum had said, look, I'll take you down a tattoo shop to you and I'll pay for you to get a tattoo, I would never have got a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> you ruined it, mum! You ruined it. That's yeah. Yeah. If I only she knew, that if only she knew that that's what she had to do. <laughs> but yeah, I, got, I give tattoo, I was saying that tattoo vouchers before Christmas, I just fucking like, Jeff, you got to make sure you got a stock, you know? Everybody yeah. buys tattoo vouchers to offer it to someone for Christmas, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, no, nah, it's good. It's good. good. It's easy for me. I don't have to think about what a twenty-one-year-old wants. Yeah, yeah tattoos. Nice <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Okay. And the other the other side of that is uh, the good, really good side of that. Now is that uh, it's fucking cool that your kids they're gonna go and get their first tattoos. You paid for it, and when they get because all the tattoos is a, a memory. Of, it's like a souvenir of, of yeah. the time that you got it done and what you were thinking about so like you're attached to that they're going to get that done yeah and that, it's just fucking rad you know? yeah well, it's like cool. Abba for you you think about your mum and made her happy you know his kids will look at their tattoos and think about the time they all got a tattoo together yeah makes well, them happy Le- Leroy got one and then he's been back three times in, yeah. since March last year to yeah. get more he went, went last Tuesday as well to get the last bit of his forearm finished yeah it's addictive. It's addictive. They get into it. Um, could be worse. Could be so many worse things they could be doing, especially at that age and you know the shit that's around at the moment. So I'm happy for that. Happy days. Yeah. So um, how old is he? Yeah, he's he's, he's nine, nineteen in March. Just right. just turned eighteen. My daughter's twenty one. So. All right. So when when you think back, early tattooing, you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old. Was there any one band that stood out for you? Uh, it's alright, our podcast listeners know exactly what this sound is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 18. Well, just say any, like, any, any time, any time in that, like, sort of, say, 10 year period, right? Say 10 to, 10 to 20. Yeah. Uh, ad nauseum, this is a fucking warning for people that don't want to listen to this again. Alice in Chains for me was fucking huge, right? That, that it was like they changed my life completely, you know? Um, so what I'm trying to find, I guess what I'm trying to find out was was there one particular group that you look back or one particular album or even a particular genre that you go, 
you know what, that that thing has made me what I am now, you know, like in, in more of a way and it has had more of an influence than, because than, everything influences you, everything that, you know, you listen to, talk about, whatever, but was there one particular particular moment, album, group, artist that, that sort of took you by storm and you went, fuck, you know, that's, yeah. that's for me, you know? I don't really have to think, I mean, there was other groups beforehand, but uh, yeah. This is what I think. The, the question that you guys are asking on this podcast. This is what this is what I think. Um, the groups that are really that, that, that what you're asking me is Pearl Jam and Nirvana. Yeah. Because I was like 20. Pearl Jam was like what Pearl Jam and Nirvana is like 92, right? 92. Yeah. That's when it started. And that was, that was really the darkest days of my life. I was really like down in, in a dark area. And so those, it was like, uh, listening to that music was comfort, you know? It's kind of like I had somebody, I was listening to somebody that understood what I was feeling, mm. feeling like. And I think that's what, I think that's what it's about, that music that marked us so much. Whether you've got like serious problems or not, it does, it's irrelevant. When you're that young, uh, you're in front of situate first-time situations. You know, like when you're a teenager, you you start look. You have girlfriends, for example, your first girlfriends, and you don't know how to go about it. The first time you're going to have sex, it's big. It's big uh, hurdles that you got to get over. So it's a lot of first-time things you're going to leave home because, uh, and it's normal. You, you're at home and you want to get outside of the family. You want to be free. You want to live your life. You want to be and so all that music that we're listening to around those times is going to mark us the most because it's difficult. It's, those are difficult times. Even if you're having a good time, it's not fucking easy. The first time you, you kiss a, you kiss somebody, the first time when you leave home, it's, they're just, it's just tough times. Even though it can be fucking great, it's tough. And so what you're listening to at those, in those times, you're going to choose a particular type of mu- music which fits what you're feeling. At that time, I, th- I think though the, the the Nirvana one is interesting because I, I don't know about you, but when I first heard "Smells Like Teen Spirit," it was like it, I instinctively knew what the song was, even though yeah. I'd never heard it before, and it, I just gravitated straight away to it. And it was like, yeah. "What the fuck's that? What the fuck's that? What the fuck's that?" And yeah. for some reason, it was like a magnet. And then that, that led me to, you know, all the other, all those other great bands, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, you know, all, all of that yeah. stuff. But that song was like a whirlwind, you know, like across the whole globe. And that's yeah. why it's been really cool, like talking to you and, you know, the, um, the, the other people that, would, that have been here, you know, from, from overseas that express that same sort of sentiment about that type of music, you know, like, and, and it's like, fuck that, you were fucking... 20,000 kilometers away from me and we had the same fucking experience, you know, like yeah. that's, that's so fucking cool that shit, you know? Yeah, I'm down with that because it was, mine was exactly like yours. I heard that on fucking French radio. Yeah. And it smelled like Teen Spirit and it was just like, fuck, what's that? Yeah. Where'd that come from? And that's it, you fucking, you're in and you go in. When, uh, when he, when he killed himself, I fucking was devastated. Yeah. 94. Yeah. So we had like two two years of, of Nirvana and then everything else that went around it, like Pearl Jam, Alice in Charge and everything. 
But when he fucking, when I heard that he died, I felt like I'd lost a brother. Yeah. And I, I fucking, I was in a bar somewhere in Antibes in the south of France, and I heard that news. Somebody was like, yeah, Kevin's killed himself. And I fucking left and just fucking went and cried. My, I just bawled my eyes out for ages. Like, I really lost somebody that knew, that understood what I was going through and what I was feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And all of that, all of that movement, all the grunge movement, it was all the same thing. What was it, Generation X, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just like that's... I think that's what makes it... I think that's what makes it so special because it's just like... It's a bit more than just the music. It's a whole... It's the whole thing. It's like fucking these people are expressing the way they feel, and and that's I feel like they do. I'm, I agree with what they're saying. Yeah, I, I can't think of a, of another time um, that, that that that's really happened, with the exception maybe of the Beatles. Like that, yeah. like you, you have bands and, and movements that come and go, and and but that was such a global phenomenon, you know, like that. They just basically came out of fucking nowhere, you know? Yeah. Like you said, it was hearing that one song on the radio, everyone just jumped on it, fucking... Yeah, and I, I, I don't know with the kids that are coming up today, and, you know, like, it's why I love talking to my son about music, and, you know, because he's right into it, um, trying to find out, is that there for them? I can't see it. I can't see it. And that's, you know, like, I can't... But possibly it's just because, our, you know, our experiences are different, but... I can't. I haven't seen a band take over the world like that did, you know, like that the, the they did and affected so many people in such a such a way, you know. Yeah, I don't. Think, uh, I agree. I don't think since uh, since that movement in uh, in the nineties, I don't think there's really been another one, has there? No, no, not, no. not like def, that. Def, not like that. Not like that. Uh, it, it it swept the world and it, everybody was affected by it from your, you know, from your, you know. Kids like you, kids like us, to you know, jock rich kids. You know, everybody yeah. got caught up in it. There was no, um, you know, there's, yeah, no, there, there's no prejudice against there's there's no prejudice against their audience. It was for everybody, but everybody listened to it. It was one uh, genre and generation that really actually brought everybody together. It all came together in one. It wasn't as you were saying earlier on. You know, the the hip hop in uh, you know in in England at the time was all black and you're the only white guys there, it was for everybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I think it was a mix of, it was a mix of, mixing pot of styles, the grunge movement, there was everything in there, there was jazz, there was blues, you know, they they fucking put everything in there, mixed it all up. And so we had uh, all, all the different feelings that everybody, no matter what walk of life you're from, all those different feelings that are in those songs, you know, there was love in there, there was hate in there, there was, you know, they had it, there was everything. So like you say, yeah, it was it was talking to everybody. Everybody could find something in there yeah. uh, to associate with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, that's cool. That's cool. Now let me take you down a little memory lane. <clears throat> you and I met, stood on the back of a boat in San Remo, Italy. Yeah. You had flesh tunnels. Yeah, lip still got them. Yeah. <laughs> lip piercings, orange hair when you had hair. Yeah. yeah. And and we, we we kind of 
met in passing on the job. And, yeah. well, and, well, actually, that's how I got the nickname Brew. All right. So I had a French guy with me, Nico. Good man, Frenchman. Good English, but, you know, good, bad English. But um, I introduced myself to the boys. Oh, I'm Andrew, da, da, da. But they, I was nobody to them at the time because they, <laughs> they were a bit of a team that had been together for a little while and we were the new boys coming on, but they all knew Nico as well. So and Nico was, you know, had this South African friend that he'd lived with. And I just come from South Africa, so he kept not talking to me in English. He was talking to me in South African. So I was, oh, you know, how's it, my brew? Pass me that, my brew. Can you go get me that, my brew? These dickheads all thought my name was Brew. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where my name Brew came from. Uh, it's stuck right. cool. in France. Some people don't even know my real name. They yeah. just think it's Brew, B-R-E-W. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know yeah. Brew Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> nice guy. Wanker. Yeah. But... Uh, it's a fucking cool name, Brew. Oh, I love cool. it. Yeah. Hey, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Hey, hey, you don't get to pick your nicknames. Do no, you? no, they you get, get decided to for you. Exactly. You know? Yeah. But and there's, uh, there's definitely loads, heaps and loads of uh, nicknames that are like fucking terrible. Oh, yeah. Brew, Brew's fucking rad. It's well, a rad name. Yeah. yeah. Better than your other fucking Kiwi mate, Chunder. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck, Chunda. I've been trying to find that guy for like tw the last 20 years. If you're listening, Chunda, fucking get in touch with you. Yeah, give us a call, Chunda. So, after a day or two, Mark and I taught a bit of music on the boat. We were in hotel rooms. I said, Oh, you listen to Tool? He goes, Who? And I was like, Oh, dude, no, stop. So, I remember the moment in my room in that shitty hotel in San Remo. I sat yeah. you on the bed, I got the cassette tape out, I put it in, put my little uh, Sony yellow Walkman into his ears and just press play. Yeah. Do you remember the feeling that came over you when you first heard that? Yeah, 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 I know, but I remember exactly, yeah, I remember exactly. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a life changer, it was a life changer, for sure. It's like, fucking hell. Uh, I, I don't know, I suppose uh, that was kind of like, I don't know what it was about it. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's the intelligence side of it, the tool, the strike, you know, I don't know. They're, they're, they're definitely like, when you think about the early 90s, you know, like and, and grunge and everything, they, they definitely stand out. Two, two, oh, bands, yeah. two bands stand out for me in that period. Primus is one and Tool is the other because they managed to... to to stay in that, you know, grunge bubble, but be themselves, a hundred percent. And then, and then when I go like, and we, you know, we 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 reviewed the new album a couple of weeks ago, um, but they're still the same in terms of that. They still they still manage to encompass all of those really good things of the the early nineties, but they're still themselves. That's what I love about the, those guys. You know, they're sort of uncompromising in what they do. You know, like yeah. the, the musicianship and the, the intel, like you say, the intelligence of the writing, and you know, which really yeah. makes them stand out. And in fact, I think what it is, uh, like you say, Paul, after after the grunge movement, where gr the grunge was really just about expressing what you're feeling, like just fucking getting it out. You know, better to get it out than keep it inside. Yeah. But talk was. Uh, it was about is it was that interior uh, research. It's kind of like the spiritual side of it, you know. Yeah. You can hear the word. 
you can the music, but the words of Maynard, especially in the in the earlier ones, you could, it was really putting it forward. Out, it was putting himself in question and asking himself who he was and yeah. what's Make, going making on. himself vulnerable. You know, which is very yeah. brave thing to do. Like put yourself out yeah. and you lay your soul bare to people. It's difficult yeah. to do, you know, and difficult to do in an intelligent. Because I think they balance the the intellectual side of his writing really well. You know, because yeah. they are very, he's a very smart guy, super smart, yeah. super intelligent, went to, uh, what's the... Stanford uh, University. No, no, point... Uh, military college in the States. Whatever, oh, whatever. the, um... Yeah, they get the ring. Did, did he really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't think of the fucking yeah. name of it right now. I'm a dickhead, but I'll fucking think of it. I'll think of it when we finish, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, like he's super intelligent. Those guys are, you know, and I said it on the on the podcast where we reviewed the album. They are fucking masters at what they do. You know, yeah. they are fucking masters. You know, like it, and it's it's funny now now like as a muso that plays to see the musicianship of bands like that and also, but just in general, bands the musicianship level that was around in the early 90s is pales in comparison to what it is the bands that are coming through now because of bands yeah. like Tool because they open the door for difficult playing that is easy to listen to if, if that makes sense you know like it's yeah. sort of, yeah. Yeah, it's for sort sure. of like because as a muso you sort of listen to things and if it's too simple it's like well it doesn't really interest me you know like if it's difficult but the general public hear it as well and you know the guy that doesn't play gets it well that's that's more of a victory, you know what yeah. I mean? So, West Point, that's it. West Point, that's what he, that's what he was in Maynard, you know? Do you see that with um, tattooing as well? Like the level of tattooing that you see, like photos and stuff of now, must be like so much higher, like in terms of technique wise than it was say 10, 15 years ago. Oh yeah, so it's fucking crazy. Yeah, it's it's, it's fucking crazy. I wouldn't have, uh, I would never have imagined that uh, I could do what I do today back then. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's just fucking crazy. Is the way the way it's gone. But the the the, the problem it's a bit you can relate uh, with the music today as well. It's the problem with tattooing today is that. Uh, it, there's too many people, and if you're not if you're not a professional, you're not probably not going to see that. But there's too many people doing stuff that's not going to age well. Yeah. They're not they're not respecting the real rules of the art. So you know everything comes back down now to just taking a photo at the end of the session and putting it on the on Instagram and yeah. Facebook and that. But. Uh, People, there's a lot of people doing stuff that is just done. It's not going to hold up in a few years' time, five, three, five, ten years' time. The tattoo is just going to not look so good because they're doing stuff. It looks good when it's just been done, but it's going to age really badly. Is that is that like sloppy technique, and you know, maybe you know, not not putting enough ink in, or that that sort of thing, or? No, it's putting it's around the other way. It's yeah, it's down to technique and stuff, but it's but it's putting stuff in that just. Because what you got to remember is that uh, it's just ink under the skin. It's not screwed in. It's not fucking nailed down. Yeah. So your body moves and it, it ages, and so the ink moves as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, and if you don't respect that in the beginning, the idea is that you've got a tattoo that's going to age well. So when it's 10 years old, 15 years old, it's going to look old, yeah. but it still looks good. Yeah. Still and there's a lot of stuff going today they just put so much in it so much fine detail so much light stuff that is when it gets older it's not going to be there anymore yeah, yeah. So, like you take out you take out all that fine stuff that super detailed stuff that they put in you take it out five years down the line and it's not going to look like much you know yeah and where, where did you develop that your technique with the the ultra realistic stuff like where, where did that come from for you uh, I was, so that, that sounds pretty recent, five, like that sort of that sort of technique. Is that would I be right in saying that's maybe like ten, last ten years that that sort of stuff's been coming out? Well, no, it's been yeah, like yeah, but it's just um, I just say that it's just an extension of what was happening before. You know, it's yeah. just it's not it's just been pushed slowly but surely pushed further and further and further along. Yeah. Uh, I think I got to, like, five years ago, uh, I got to a point, five years ago, I had, like, what, 17 years experience, and I was kind of like, fucking hell, I want to do something else, I'm not, uh, I'm kind of stuck at a level, I, I want to do other, I can do better than this, I can, but I don't know how, so I started again, I started from scratch, I went to see a few guys that I really appreciated their work, I went and hung out with, with, with a few of them on conventions and stuff like that. Ask questions. I started again like a beginner, you know. After like 17 years of tattooing, I started again. I was like, right, I'm, I'm fucking. I want to do something else. I want to do way better than this. And so it, it was really it, like I just started again. I started from A, and fucking pushed it to Z again. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about the tattoo conventions, because uh... oh, fuck, that's what I want. Actually, that the Evian one year I saw on your Instagram. Yeah, you went. Did you go to that the Evian tattoo convention? Yeah, yeah, I worked on it. Oh, I did it last year. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I'm sorry, I'm too no, 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 no. But that struck me as so odd that they would be the sponsor for the tattoo convention. Like, I don't, no, I don't, no it was in Evian. Oh, it was in Evian, but wasn't it sponsored yeah. by the company? Or? I don't know, was it? That's where the water comes from. Yeah, but was the, the convention sponsored by the company or was it just because it was there? Uh, am I, am I uh, up uh, I don't fucking know, actually. Nah. I don't know. Yeah, I think maybe I think maybe I saw the sponsor of Evian Water on there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That struck me as odd. <laughs> but that's Evian Water comes from Evian. Yeah. Yeah. Lake. I did. I, honestly, I, yeah, I feel like a fuckwit now because I didn't even <laughs> make that connection. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was fucking onto something then, but no, no, that's cool. Yeah, I'm not actually drinking Evian. I'm drinking <laughs> something crystalline. <laughs> <laughs> all good. All good. But, but tell us just briefly about because uh, you had. Um, well, the Marilyn on the tank. Oh yeah, Marilyn on the tank. It, oh yeah, it oh, got... I, I that was a uh, that was in a place called Bizancean. I won a I won a good prize for that. I'm stoked with that because it was a it's a big convention with really good lot like, of really good level of tattooing, and I got the best in show for that one. That's right, best yeah, in show, cool. and, and it was amazing the um, the depth of field in that tattoo yeah, of the tank and. You know, Maryland, you know, across the turret? Is that the right word? It was kind of like composition. She was slow. She wasn't actually sick. She was in front. Yeah, it was a composition. It was kind of like uh, kind of like a fisheye angle where it drops down to the tank. Yeah, amazing piece of work. But 
I mean, it, it, it must have been nice for you after all these years, seven years of tattooing, uh, to do a convention, which, you know, you were never anti-convention, but it's a big thing to step up and, uh, you know, work amongst all the people and the process and everyone's coming past. And I know you, as the person you are, you like your private studio, you like your music, you like to be left alone, you like to work. So yeah. uh, to, to be doing that there with all that and walk away with Best in Show, is uh, it must have been very uh, gratifying for you. Yeah, big time, big time, because it's like you say, uh, I don't fucking... I don't particularly, I definitely don't like competition. I stay away from it. Not, not, if, I, if I don't push myself, I just won't go there. And it kind of, I don't like competition. Uh, but yeah, it was, fucking, it was fucking amazing. I don't know, it was personal achievement. Uh, trying to, try, I don't like staying in my comfort zones. I try and push it. I just constantly try and push outside of what I'm used to doing. If, if I'm going to feel comfortable doing something, then I'm going to try and find something where, that I'm not comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to try and push it. I'm just going to try and go into a zone that I don't, you know, it's not like, oh, yeah, I can do that with my eyes shut. I always like going somewhere where it's like, <clears throat> fucking hell, I don't know. I'm going to pull this up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So tell my clients that fuck it, I don't give a shit. It's true. Yeah. And uh, I think that uh, that's. I think that the out of respect for people, you know, it's not cheap getting a decent tattoo, and you're gonna wear that for life. And you know, it's an artistic creation. But people that in the know say that if you're gonna artistic creations, you have to fucking suffer it. You know. Yeah. To be creative, you have to suffer your creation. And I'm fucking down with that. So every time, every day, pretty much, uh, I'm start the tag, I put the transfer on, and I'm just like, fuck, you know, right, <laughs> how am I going to do I do the design, I don't fucking think of, about how I'm going to do the tag. I just do it so it looks fucking, so I think it looks rad, and the client thinks, it, thinks it's rad, and then afterwards I'm like, fuck, how am I going to do it? <laughs> so yeah, the, the conventions and winning that, winning that, uh, that prize, it was just like, yeah, but you know, when you put the effort in, you get, you get rewards. Yeah. 100%. yeah. No, it's just really, I mean, it does a little bit of a buzz, you put it on the, on the networks and everyone's like, oh yeah, he's winning conventions. I've won a few things since then and it does a little bit of a buzz, but it's mostly personal achievements. So yeah, look, you know, fucking, I've got there, I've managed to do that. Oh, there who, was three, over 300 tattooists on that convention and so like, it's like, yeah, fucking hell, well, you know, it was, well, yeah, yeah feel good, good about it stuff. So. Yeah, good. good. So, just quickly, I'm looking over your left shoulder, and I'm seeing yeah. a very familiar poster right in the back. I can't believe there. I didn't spot right. it. I fucking spotted that as soon as you came yeah. on. I've been biting my tongue, not saying anything. There you go. Oh, there that makes me go. so happy. <laughs> That's, just, that's above my workstation. This is where I tattoo. I'm in the studio. Nice. So oh, nice. She's there with me every day while I'm making people bleed. <laughs> um, oh, that, that warms my. It's like in the race with the blood and everything. It warms my warms my heart. That's it. I All gave right. the Slipknot ones that Bruce sent me. I gave them to the kids and they stuck them on the wall with sellotape. <laughs> And, uh, he didn't realise that both of them were one of fifties. Oh Jesus! Well, I, I can I just so you can just see. so you can see. 
Yeah, yeah, I know, but I know it's that. I don't know where I'm post that he did or something. I saw that they were there. Yeah, fucking great. Yeah. Tool, tool is it like uh, to work to tool to tattoo to tool is the fucking tit. Yeah. Because you get, I get into a big session. I know that I've got six to eight hours in front of me. I just put tool on Spotify, especially now it's on Spotify. No, it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And you just fucking let it play all day long and you just get into that concentration zone, you know what I mean? It's just, it's perfect. Get into that flow state, get it right in, the, right yeah. in that good headspace, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, um... And then, and, and then hooker for a penis comes on. <laughs> hooker with a penis <laughs> comes on. And I have to stop and jump around a little bit and <laughs> scream myself for a second. Yeah. Scare the shit out of the client and then get back into it myself. <laughs> <laughs> Favourite, all-time favourite Tool song? Uh, I'd say it's um, Push It on the Survival Live version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. 15 minutes. Oh, fucking, if I could go to any song, if I could be zoomed back in time and and be part of any concert um, uh, with any song, it would be that song. I would love to have been there where Maynard says, okay, close your eyes, we're going to take you on a journey, don't know. Uh, I would uh, I'll go back to that. That's that song. That is fucking amazing. Yeah. Awesome. So, do you remember Grenoble? Twenty two yeah. thousand six. I want to say. Yeah, I think it was six or five. Two thousand five. Six or five. Oh, I got. I tattooed my hand on that one. I did it myself. I did that one there. I did it just before the concert. Mm. I, I remember the drive down, and I, I'd already seen them three times, and um, you were like a nervous little kid. Yeah. You really, really were. And we got into that place in Grenoble, and it was like balcony, and, um, you know, obviously our viewers can't see because he's sitting down. <laughs> Mark's not the uh, tallest person. He's not small. Let's call him average height. Average height. <laughs> but... No, no, no. Bullshit, I'm small. <laughs> <laughs> so we got in on this balcony, and we weren't late, but we weren't really on time, and everyone had just piled in, and Margaret and I kind of got this little, little balcony, and there was like this little gap, this little fucking gap on the balcony between two guys. And I I stand, you know, behind Mark, you know, probably half a head taller, because I'm of average height. <laughs> he is small, shall we yeah. say. I remember I was like, you're right, is this it? Is this the spot? We're like, oh, yeah, 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 this is good. And Mark being, Mark is just like, eventually, there's two big guys beside him. He's just kind of got into the little space <laughs> and had that little balcony up above. And they kind of looked down and oh, who's this fucking guy? Just like, oh, tattoo up his neck and everything. Yeah. No one said anything to him. Mark just got, <laughs> Mark got one hand on the rail. And by the end of, by the, end of the gig... You know, it's like there's no one else around him. <laughs> and I remember Maynard walking out with a megaphone. Yeah. And you look back at me with just like, uh, 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 I, I, I dead set thought your balls had dropped for the first time and you'd wet your pants. Do you, yeah. do you remember what he said? I don't. I do. He said on the megaphone that he was the last person to come on stage and everyone was like, oh, I fucking know it's Maynard. And he got the megaphone and he said, uh, I've got good news and I've got bad news. 
and so like we're in France, right? And so if you understood what he's saying, which probably like the French don't speak English very well, but like we were like, fucking hell, what's the bad news going to be? And he said, the good, the bad news is we don't speak French, and the good news is we speak music, and everyone went, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> That's ねえ、ちょっと待って、ちょっと待って、ちょっと待って、ちょっと待って、ちょっと待って、ちょっと待って、ちょっと待って、ちょっと待って、ちょっと待って、ちょっと待って、ちょっと待って、ちょっと待って
The bass is always in the background. Mate, right? mate, I, no, but I see, I was, I'm always, like, I'm, I'm super in, insecure one-on-one with people, you know, like I'm always questioning, like I'm the guy that, you know, I'll have a conversation with someone and then I'll go away and fucking think about it for 45 minutes and go, fuck, why did I say that? I'm a fucking idiot, why did I do this? Because when I've got my bass and I'm on stage, it's like, fuck it, this, I, I can do this. This is my, this yeah. is my happy place and this is the best of me, you know, so... I give that really easily, whereas I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's different when you're singing. Like you say, bass players, we can hide behind the smoke machine and you know sit at the back, and that's all good. But you yeah, know, like you it's, know, I was sitting here without it was just. It. But yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, like the singers right up front, and I didn't really. I was, it, it's everybody's got their own. Uh, I call them traumatisms. You know, we're we're all scared of like different things. There's. There's different things that make us fucking scared and close up and not want to be anywhere. Uh, if I was singing in front of one person, that was one person that could go, oh, that's fucking shit what he's doing. Yeah. But in front of a hundred people, that's a hundred people that could go, ah, oh, that's fucking shit what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Times a hundred. Yeah. But once, uh, it took so much, I was so fucking scared to get up on stage that once I actually managed to overcome my fears and actually get up there, because every time uh, I used to get like a knot in my stomach, stomach cramps, so it would have been impossible of singing. It was not physically not capable because I was in pain. Yeah. So scared. Or if I would really have liked to have just disappeared off the earth every time, off the face of the planet. So once I managed to overcome, I used to go and sit somewhere a bit quiet and ask myself what it is I'm scared of. And once it is the overcoming, you actually get up on there. It's just like you, it's just like it gives you access to the better part of yourself. You've overcome. You're doing something that normally you wouldn't do. No. That's what I was talking about earlier. It's not staying in the comfort zone. Yeah. Pushing, pushing yourself. Pushing. I'm just constantly pushing myself. Some people would say it's torture, but it's not. It's passing by the by the by the pain to get to the the joy of actually yeah. doing something. Not normal yeah. for your. So when I was at, I wasn't a particularly good singer, but I gave a good, uh, I gave a good show. I can say that because that's what people used to say. So uh, I was like, I used to be the the group. You go and see the group live, and you're like, oh, that's fucking wicked. And you go and buy the CD, and you put it on at home, and you go, oh, that's fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I mean? you go back to the concert. The guys that I was playing with were fucking amazing, amazing. Uh, Fred is musician. a drummer. Yeah, you're right. You Bruce, Bruce down with that. Yeah, Fred is a drummer. It's fucking unbelievable that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking unbelievable. So I used to say, well, I must be doing something right for them to keep me, you know. But the shows and Bruce, Bruce, but you actually filmed one of the shows. Actually, I, I was waiting for you to get to this point because um, just yesterday, Mark, I dug up the file. Uh, yeah, and right. I've got all the footage, two cameras, the whole job lot of the entire gig at uh, Le Zinc, Zinc, Brand, Zinc, what was it called? Brand Zinc. Brand Zinc. Yeah. Uh, which means... With a little bit of zinc. A little bit of zinc. Yeah. Uh, I found the entire file with all oh. the raw images of everything. So, um, well... We'll talk about that off camera, what I want to do. Right? <laughs> cool. Uh, don't show it to Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, fuck, as soon as we're done, pull it up for me, brother. <laughs> I, 
I'll tell you why it's all right because uh, like we're we're doing the podcast now. It's a good job you didn't show before. <laughs> It's all good. It's actually yeah. good. It's filmed very well. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. Fucking good. The yeah, camera works amazing. So yeah. I mean, how long ago was that? That was about 10 years ago. Yeah, easy 10 yeah. years ago, yeah. And I don't even, like... It must have been just before I left. And I, yeah, it must have been like tail end before I left because it was summertime. It was a yeah. Chambry in an industrial area. And... Yeah. Um, Actually got down there and ran into other people I knew from up the valley who just happened to be there that night, not to see you, but they were just down there in that, you know, it was it was weird. It was literally like a warehouse in an industrial area but that had a bar and it was in this old warehouse you walked through and then all of a sudden you came through and it was like tiered stage and there was like a sting over the side and then this funny bar as you walked in. It was a bit fucking very French and very fucking... Uh, industrial. I mean, it's as industrial you get, and then the darkness of these guys, and I just look at the images, you know, Mark opening, you know, down on his knees, back to the stage, light, you know, just really on him, just really, and uh, what it was more than anything, I mean, you were building up the courage to turn around and face the crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, fucking terrifying. Terrifying. But, I mean, it was yeah. packed that night. It was full. And that was, yeah. and there wasn't people, you know, not, you know, I, I guess a lot of people had heard about it, but there was a lot of people who were just there because of where yeah. it was and the place that it was. And it was a, you know, an off-scene industrial kind of warehouse place to go and have a drink. And then people stayed for the music, you know, got to yeah. hang out and really enjoyed it. So, I mean, yeah, some of the... And remind me, your, re, your rehearsal studio was only a couple of doors up, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. But... um. I think, because I had people come to me, kids that would come to me after the show and say, we don't normally listen to that. They're like extreme metal kids, you know, and they'd be like, we don't normally listen to that kind of music, but it was fucking great, the show. Yeah. And honestly, Paul, you'll, you'll see the brutal show it to you. It was really a, my personal performance, This the, the vocal performance was never really very good, especially in those conditions. I was just so scared. But... I used to what they what the people used to appreciate was the uh, the uh, I don't know how to say dépassement in English. Fuck. Uh, when you overcome yourself, like we were saying, you overcome your fears and you manage to do something. You know what that feeling is like, yeah. Paul. When yeah. it's like those moments when in a band where everybody's actually synced into everyone else, and it's not. It's I never experienced it through a whole concert. Sometimes it's just one song, or even in repetition, where you're jamming, and there's those moments where everybody's just fucking totally synced, and you're in a different zone. Yeah. It's like you're with the better part of yourself. You're doing something that's just fucking. You can just feel it. It just yeah. takes you. Uh, I think mean, you actually talked about that on another one of the the episodes. Yeah. Well, with, with with Ricky, the guitarist, we had on a few weeks or a couple of months ago. His brother, who's a drummer, we had. I had that that relationship with him because I knew him for 20 years, you know, and I yeah. played in three different bands with him and and we had, I had moments on stage with him where we would preempt what we were doing, and, you know, so it's been, for your bass player and your drummer to, you know, you want the kick and the snare to be locked in, but we used to be able to do things, not even think about it, and we wouldn't realise we would have done them until we listened to recordings later on, where I would play a lick 
and his fill would be exactly in time with what I was doing. Not pre-planned, not it just spontaneity and just, I can't put into words what that feels like to, to anyone because that's yeah. that's why I play. That that moment and that, that, that yeah, like I don't play because I want someone to tell me I'm good. I want to experience that again. I want to, I want to get yeah. to that, that sort of um, uh, esoteric sort of level where we're, yeah. we're just so connected and we're in such a zone and, and I'm not, we're not conversing in any way that's sort of tangible. And it's just between me and that guy or me and two other guys. It's just, yeah. I, I don't yeah. even, I mean, I, I don't even know a word that would, that would, I'd be able to say to, to Brew or to anyone else that hasn't experienced it to explain what it feels like. You know, and, and, yeah. and it's, it's, I can't, that's, I'll go back to what I was saying earlier, because I, I, it's it's a it's a spiritual experience. Yeah, and I can I can speak freely about that because I've done spiritual research. I have a spiritual path since uh, 15, 15 years, and you can actually find that in uh, everyday experiences and little things. That's what I'm saying when it's like going out of the comfort zone, doing something that normally you wouldn't be able to do because you're scared because uh, yeah. you. You know, for whatever reason, you just gonna go, no, no, well, I can't fucking do that. Yeah. And like you say, that experience that you have when you're playing music, it's the same deal. Is uh, you push instead of turning away, you push towards something that's not particularly easy, and you overcome it. You go past the barrier, and it gives you access to the better part of yourself. It's like we're living two two levels constantly. Yeah. And when you push, and with music, that we get it. Like, like you, like you say, that experience, that's that's it. It's when, it's when we've actually got access to the better part of ourselves. With, there's no more commentaries against ourselves. It's not good what I'm doing. Uh, there's no more judgment on on ourselves, towards ourselves. It's just fucking, you're free. Yeah. You're free and you're fucking living something that's just like, just feels so good. It yeah. feels bigger. Yeah. And it, it, in, in some ways, I think for you, for you and me, doing this, what we're doing today, you know. Yeah. I thought about doing this for 18 months before I even spoke to Andrew about it, you know, like, because, yeah. again, I was scared. Oh, fuck, yeah. if I put this out, it's on the internet, fuck, anyone can hear it, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. That's, that's freaky. I used to go to bed at night going, fuck, I don't know if I want to do that because I knew that as soon yeah. as I mentioned it to him, I knew he'd be on board. I knew he'd want to yeah. do it. And it was, I, was so, <laughs> I was so fucking scared to even mention it because if I knew I mentioned it to him, then I'd have to do it. Yeah. I had yeah. no choice. Yeah. If I put it out there and said, this is what I want to do, then fuck, Paul, you're going to pull your fucking shit together, mate, and do it, yeah. you know? Like, so that, that, you know, that for us in a little way, I think that's, 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 that's a, this is our little... Here we are, episode you know, 10. Episode, we, episode 10, for us as a fucker, it's a good thing, man, you know? Like, yeah. Get, you know, we're not, we're not young anywhere. We're sort of young, but you know, get get out there. Push, like you say, push yourself out of your comfort yeah. zone. You know, yeah. do things that you don't wouldn't normally do. Mm. All right, yeah. quick fire. <clears throat> Top three best gigs. Uh, I had a little think about that because obviously, like I said earlier, uh, my younger years were fucking blurry. <laughs> Uh, I have to say the number one has got to be David Bowie in a small tent in Monaco and I think it was in 94 fuck 
Oh Jesus! You just out fucking, fucking beat everyone. Everyone out of the water. And you know what? Don't even mention two and three for fuck's sake. It can shut Paul. Excuse me, bro. You can shut fucking mouth. Because this guy, this guy, I'm I'm gonna stop following him on Instagram. I fucking hate this guy for you. Fucking constant yeah. pig, honestly. Constant. Hey, fucking, you saw Elton John the other day, you asshole. Did you see my seats as well? Yeah. I, I was front row side of stage, 20 metres from him. What I, I could, I, yeah, he's back to us, but I could see his fingers playing the keys, and that's what I wanted. Yeah, the man is a pure professional. Yeah. It was phenomenal. No, he's a fucking genius. That guy, you, if you just do like, if you do a best of, I mean, it's not got to be your fucking like total cup of tea, but the, the melodies yeah. are fucking amazing. Have yeah. you guys watched the film? No. I haven't yet, no. no. I can do it. You watch the film on Freddie, Freddie Mercury, right? Yes, of course, yeah. Yeah, well, I prefer the one that Rocket Man on it. Yeah. Yeah. And but the, the Bohemian Rhapsody was fucking amazing. Well, he, he so, took, yeah. Elton told a great great story the other night. Let me just interject. Here. He told told a great story the other night because him and his uh, partner, his writing partner at the time, when they were just you know nineteen year old young little boys, and they wrote this song and they kind of you know sent it out into the world, and um, their management got back to him and said, oh you know look, we have found somebody who's picked it up and they you know they believe in the song and uh, they they really want to do it. Uh, you know they need your permission, but um, it's Aretha Franklin. And it was their first collaboration as songwriters because that's what they wanted to be. And I believe the film is a lot about that. He just wanted to be a songwriter more than anything. And Aretha Franklin picked up this song and made it, you know, massive. And for him, as he said, he said, after that moment, him and his writing partner looked at each other and said, well, fuck. <laughs> we, you know, the queen of soul yeah. wants to... <laughs> You know, use what wants to sing our song. She's yeah. seen something in this that the other two hundred people that it got sent to haven't seen, and she made that song incredible, amazing. He sang it for us; it was incredible. He said that was the turning moment in his musical career that made him believe in himself. Yeah, all right. I don't think uh, I don't think that's in it. I don't think they touch that in the film. But what they do make you feel in the film, which is fucking amazing. Uh, it's the relationship between him and his songwriter because he was the melody man, but he was no good at writing songs. And he met like what's his name, uh, Bernie. I can't remember. Yeah, Bernie. Yeah, he kept yeah. saying Bernie. Me and Bernie. Uh, yeah, and actually in the film, Bernie always stayed out of the spotlight and he didn't live the rock star life. And Elwin just got totally lost, cocaine mm. and everything, got totally lost mm. in it. And he. Bernie was not gay, but he fucking loved Elton. They had a relationship, a true fucking love. And so they never lived the same lives, but Bernie was writing songs in, to, that were speaking about what Elton was living at that particular moment. Mm. And in the film, they really make you feel that, so it gives a whole new sense to all the songs, all those yeah, fucking right. amazing songs. Yeah. Yeah, it's it fucking great. I really, really enjoyed the film. And the guy's just a genius, you know, the melodies and the melodies and the words are just like, mm -hmm. like we owe rock music today, I owe so much to, the, oh, to that 100%. stuff. Yeah. Well, listen, I highly recommend because I know he's, he's, he's finishing here and goes back to Europe and then this is it. 
This is the yellow yeah. brick road photo. Mark, if, yeah. if he's anywhere near you or you can travel to see him, don't, you know, I, I was almost like, oh, you know, Elton, yeah, do I want to? And I thought, no, 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 I, I want to see him because this is my only chance. Well, I tell yeah, you what, yeah. I, I walked out of there feeling complete as a, as a gig fan of seeing one of the greatest. Yeah. I mean, yeah, truly, yeah. truly one of the greatest of all time and... I will hold that memory until the until my dying seconds. You know, it was brilliant, and it really, really changed my outlook on how um, how a rock concert should be put together. He was flawless. He was a perfectionist, and he was he was solid to every note. And he was after every song more than anything. Even though he had his back to us, after every song, every single song, he stood up and thanked every area of the crowd. Yeah. And then sat back yeah, down again. A true gentleman. Film, he worked on the film. He was part of the the making of the film. Watch it. It's really fucking good. It's really original the way it's, it's yeah. been made. Oh, definitely. Anyway, yeah. get anyway, getting get back, back to, to top to top three. So David yeah. Bowie. Bowie. I'm up on fucking brew uh, for for seeing David Bowie. I'm stoked. <laughs> I'm made up. <laughs> Yeah, the thing, the thing, Monaco already. It's like a, it's like a privileged. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a privileged area, and I can't for the life of me remember how I managed to get all the tickets for this thing because there was only probably like maybe not even a thousand people. It was a small tent. Yeah. Well, that and begs it, that begs the question: I, Did you have tickets, Mark? <laughs> Let's be honest with you. At that time of your life. <laughs> I don't honestly I can't play the life of it. I've spoken about it so many times I can't remember how I got there I can't remember I remember going out into into town afterwards and getting pissed off with a woman behind the bar because she didn't want to serve me any more alcohol because I was too drunk already and I started getting angry because I was drunk and uh, my friends were like there's, there's no point here you can't do that here and she was like no well, you can get as pissed off as you want but I'm going to call the cops they'll be here in like 30 seconds and you'll fucking spend the night in prison so and in Monaco like, there's, 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 there's three police officers to every person that lives in Monaco <laughs> if you fart in Monaco you best do it in the toilet <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so it's pretty amazing that I saw David Bowie. I'm fucking super stoked about that. Yeah. All right. So what's number two and three? Yeah. And uh, number two. Uh, number two and number three are, are more recent, way more recent, and it is. Um, I mean that that rap concert in uh, London when I was fifteen. That was fucking something else. It was yeah. really like. KRS One. Yeah, but um, you're gonna be you're gonna be shocked. It's uh, Depeche Mode is number two. And I saw them in Leon. It was probably about six or seven years ago. And uh, 17,000 people. Oh, Jesus. Fucking big. And uh, I got bought tickets with guy Bruno that I used to work with. He bought me tickets. He was like, yeah, come on, let's go. I got tickets. And I would never have gone otherwise. He bought me tickets. And honestly, it was fucking amazing. Those guys, like 40 years of career, yeah. they they filled up every little square millimetre of that that hall. 17,000 people, it was fucking amazing. Yeah. Number three, uh, 
which is another where I'm super stoked I managed to get them because he's passed away now. It's Prodigy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw him uh, three weeks before he died. Yeah. Amazing. Fuck it. But Prodigy's another background, you know, Prodigy's there with Tool for me, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Prodigy's there. There's a, it's a background music. If I, if I need to find some excess energy and want to wake up and want to get it yeah. going, I put Prodigy on. I can listen to that all day long, every day. Yeah. And I saw them in the same place as the Depeche Mode. Uh, probably it was when the before last album came out. Yeah, I just went, went and bought that um, went and bought that Fat of the Land on vinyl the other day. Fuck, that sounds yeah. good. Sounds good through a big set of speakers, man. Fuck. Fuck that. That was '97. That's such, that's that's a fucking great album. When that came out, yeah. it wasn't good because of that disc. But '97, I met my wife, which made me start thinking about the way I was living and what I was going to do. I decided to uh, become a tattooist and clean my life up and get my shit together. And that album was there that year. Fucking amazing. Yeah. It's the year he met me too. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Just putting it out there. I tried to forget it. I tried to forget it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking oh, man. That's it. You got anything else? I don't know. I think we I think, think we covered anything. Mark, anything else you want to add? Yeah, I just wanted to put in uh, it's a bit of a I just wanted to put in that um, with all that music back in the day, uh, I was a, I was a pure drug addict from like eighteen until twenty four years old, and I nearly lost my life to that. And those people that were making that music, Kurt Cobain, uh, Eddie Vedder, uh, that touched me so much because I was fucking lost. And today. I'd like to say it for anybody that's out there listening that's, that's in that zone. I found a way out. The music was company for all those times, but I actually found a way out. And I'm actually the president of an association, which is a new approach to all kinds of addictions. And it passes by uh, without having to stop consuming what you're consuming, but you actually make the person help make the person that's consuming whatever it is it can be sex cigarettes drugs alcohol uh video games anything it works with anything and you actually make the person better instead of trying to get trying to get rid of the addiction you make the person better so that the addiction just starts to uh disappear and then like it gets smaller the consummation gets smaller and then it just disappears so i'd just like to say because we're there's lots of guys and, and ladies from our generation that still haven't got out of that. And uh, just so that they can, if they're listening to this, there's hope, you know, don't give up. There are solutions. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because I'm the living proof that it actually works. And I've got no, I've, the last one I've got left is cigarettes. I'm working on it. But I've got no, no addictions left at all. And I've, I've got that. Uh, character. I'm an addictive. I do something twice, and that's it. I'm I'm hooked. So there you go. I wanted to I wanted to put that in. Nah, cool. Because I've got, got lots of guys from Generation X that have got our age that still haven't got out of it, you know. Yeah. So is it a is something people can look up and and have a look at or? 
Well, there'll be no. It's a new approach. It's out since about five years. I've been following it since five years, and we'll have a website and on stuff up in April. We're oh, working cool. on it at the moment. Well, let, let us know when that comes yeah. up, and and we'll make sure we we, we push we'll it out. It, yeah, we'll give it a good push a good on the podcast. Get it out to our listeners and stuff like that. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Because we all do. You know. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. So. Awesome. Uh, Fucking hell, it's been great. I'm so stoked that you invited me, guys. No, it's, uh, I'm just no, I was stoked oh, to have you, man. So like, happy to have you. I was, I was, so happy um, to have you. When we, when we first started uh, releasing our first couple of episodes and, and you started liking a few of the things I was putting on Instagram and I, fuck, I went to brew. Fuck, I don't know who this cunt is, mate, but he's in France and he's fucking liking our shit. <laughs> he had to bring me down a little bit and go, no, no, that's my friend. But, you know, like you've, been, you've been one of our supporters for, for, for since we started, man, so it's been really cool having you on and, yeah, fucking really so appreciate amazing. your time, man. It's amazing. Yeah. Mark, mate, it's been absolutely amazing having you. absolutely love everything about you. You're one of my longest friends and, uh, oh, you know, I love you and I really appreciate you coming on and... Uh, it just means the world to us and it's been good to chat about the stories and everything awesome. and hear yeah. about your music and your life and tattooing and um hey just keep being you because there's uh, nothing more perfect than who you are ah uh, buddy that's really nice to hear yeah. uh but um i would love to have come over there brew probably told you paul he's, it was like you should fucking fly over we're going to see tall at the same time we, yeah, i would fucking love to but it's just like oh, i know i know you know for a second i was like oh it's amazing like just after the second yeah. <laughs> i actually after i spoke after I, after I spoke to you i found a a uh, 690 euro flight through china that was going to take 37 hours <laughs> I thought, you know what? Yeah. Fuck it. I can afford that. I'm buying it for him. He's got no choice then. He'll have to come for the weekend. Oh, yeah. Fucking hell. Six days, uh, 37 hours there and 37 hours back. That's tight. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. He, he was going to fuck you sideways, but we would have sat by yeah. side by side for tour. That's it. Uh, yeah, that extreme circumstances, but that was a bit. Yeah. Uh, um, you want to wrap anything? No, that's everything, man. Thanks again. It's that's been really cool having a chat to you. You know, like it's... Yeah, I know you've been nice to meet you, Paul. Yeah, nice to meet uh, you too, man. And it's really good. Like, I, I love talking to people like you. We get a good connection through our music and shit, bro. Keep up your good work. Everyone, um, Mark Blackscab on Instagram. Check it out. Yeah, check it. out the work. Fucking incredible. Thanks again, man. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, guys. Fucking Cheers, love you. See you, mate. Bye. Right. Thank right. you. Yeah. Guys, thanks so much for listening. That was another great episode. Great episode. Awesome. Uh, please don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Check out our Instagram, at Zoyola Podcast. Upcoming guests, little highlights, little bits of video and stuff. Um, if you want to drop us a line. Please do. Please do. Send us an email, Podcast at yahoo.com. Pick us up on some mistakes. Uh, remember, though, Zoyola is spelt with an X. Not a Z. Generation X. Generation X. Um, but yeah, look, we're open to all feedback. Um, if you give us a follow on Instagram, we'll give you automatic follow back. Just because that's the lovely guys that we are. So lovely. So lovely. Very happy. Um, look, if you want to be a guest, you know of someone that wants to be a guest, you like what we're doing, you just want to say g'day, just drop us a line. We'll, we'll read everything, try and get back to you if we can, and uh, hopefully give you a shout out if possible. Have a good night, guys.
Bye. Bye. Bye.